0: As the Scripture reads in Psalm one hundred nineteen and verse one sixteen, uphold me according unto Thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's Word.
1: Got your Bible. Let's Go to Proverbs chapter twenty seven. Proverbs chapter twenty seven, and I want to just uh, I want to share what the Lord laid on my heart. You know, the one uh, the, the one thing you try and do when whenever you come in. Maybe you've never uh, preached at a place before. Micah was driving down the road the other day, and we just talk about everything. He's like, Dad, he said, do you ever get nervous about being in place? I said, I do sometimes when I go somewhere I've never been before, but uh, there's so many friends here, it almost feels like uh, we're home. But you know, you, you come in and try not to do anything incredibly stupid or say anything incredibly stupid, which I found out last night. I did several things that were qualified as that, but uh, you know, I can either put on for you or just be who I am. And so you, you got... You got me in, uh, you know, somebody said if you're always trying to be somebody else, you know, one of you is irrelevant, so just be yourself. And so I thank the Lord for that. But uh, I come in tonight shaking hands, greeting folks. So good to see everybody. And thought I'd step back to the restroom just before we got started and realize that I had pulled an Isaiah because I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. And it was not good. So I hope that uh, you were not greatly offended by anything there. And I just uh, want to let you know that was taken care of. So and uh, I am no longer undone, and I thought, well, Lord, thanks for the humility. I prayed today, God, that, you know, if you'd humble yourself, and Lord's like, no, I'm going to humble you too, so <laughs> what a good God. Praise wow. the Lord. So yeah, praise the Lord for that. You're like, why would you tell us? Well, I mean, you know, just in case. Um, just in case you're like, what is you? What are you doing? So uh, I went ahead and blew it, so I don't want to do it during this time of the preaching of the Word of God. Praise the Lord. So Proverbs 27, um, and I hope to just be a help to you tonight, and I hope that helped you, amen, just loosened you up just, <laughs> just a little bit. Then I was doing a, uh, a wedding some weeks ago for a young lady in our church, and, uh, you know, good young couple, and they were uh, to be married on Saturday, and so Friday night, you know, and really, I've done a lot of weddings, and one thing I want to do typically is the preacher in the wedding, I just want to get close to the color coordination, I, I don't have to get it right, and thank God that's one of the blessings, because you don't have to pay $200 for a tux, you just get to show up in a suit and kind of a color that's close. And so I was wanting to text one of the groomsmen, um, and I, I, the message said this when I sent it. I said, "Hey man, can you send me a picture of your toes?" And I hit send. Whoop. And I looked back at it and I thought, "Oh Lord!" And before I could catch it, um, before I could catch it, he had his nasty feet—I mean, wiggling them on video—and sent me a picture of his toes. I just thank God that autocorrect was merciful because I I wanted a picture of your tie is what I was going for and got a picture of his toes. And so just be very, very careful. Uh, You know, these things can get you in trouble. How many of you can testify to that? I know some folks that have sent far worse, you know, that have almost been disqualified from the ministry for such things. And so just be careful, be careful. You say, what are you doing? I'm trying to say all the dumb things now so when I preach, hopefully we get it all right. Proverbs 27 And let's look at verse number 7. This morning I woke up at about 6 o'clock, didn't go to bed until a little after 1. And how many of you know if you don't have anything to do on Saturday morning and you go to bed that late, you're not getting up super early. But this morning when I woke up, I had a conversation last night in the church, and in the middle of that conversation with another preacher, uh, we were just talking of some things, and he just offhandedly quoted the first part of this verse, and we carried on our conversation. This morning at 6 o'clock I woke up, and the Holy Ghost woke me up with Proverbs 27, verse 7 on my heart. And I said, all right, Lord, I'd like to go back to sleep. You don't care? And he's like, nope. (laughs) And so I sat there for an hour and a half and just meditated on it and finally got up and began to look at it closely. So I want to share what God's put on my heart tonight out of this passage. Proverbs 27, verse 7, the Bible says this, The full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Let's read that again. The Bible says, "The fool so loatheth the honeycomb." That means one that is so full, it don't matter how sweet uh, the offering is. The Bible says they loathe it. I mean, it don't matter how good it looks. It don't matter what the presentation of it is. It don't matter uh, you know how it has been dressed up. The Bible says a fool soul cannot receive it, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing. You know, you can become so full that you're no longer able to receive things into your life. The Bible says. The Bible says you'll loathe it. I remember, as I thought on this this morning, I remember uh, the first time I ever ate at what has now become my favorite restaurant in all the world, and it's not McDonald's, okay? So just uh, sorry to break that to you. But one of my favorite places to eat is the Cheesecake Factory. I don't know if you ever ate there before, but man, can I get an amen? I felt the Holy Ghost right there. I said, the Cheesecake Factory, man. And I love cheesecake, and I love food, and so the marriage of the two together is just like, you know, I mean, you it don't get much better than that. And so I, I, the closest one to us is about an hour and a half away in Charlotte, and I remember when we finally got to go several years ago, we took our first trip to the Cheesecake Factory, just me and Moran, and I was prepared. I had, I had been somewhat, uh, you know, in, in fastings often, uh, <laughs> that day, prepared my body, uh, you know, to uh, uh, to receive. And when we, when we got there, man, we waited some time to sit down. And so we sat down and, and they started with the bread. And then the, the bread offering started coming and it was two or three baskets into it and i just eaten everything. I thought the bread's amazing here, you know? I mean, <laughs> just the bread tastes on a different level at this place. And then we started looking. I thought we're going we're gonna to have the whole experience. I may never come back. So the appetizers, we got these... Man, we're eating soon, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope so. I won't be hungry t- telling this story. The appetizers were these Southwest egg rolls. I mean, man, with this, uh, with this dressing that's just unbelievable. And Miranda's sitting there and just watching, you know, watching this uh, fiasco <laughs> unfold at our table. And so, man, I'm just two-fisting, you know, two-fisting egg rolls, dipping, you know, dunking, shoving. <laughs> and it was so good. Here, somebody come in. How are you? Are you good? Uh-huh. <laughs> Egg rolls sticking out of both mouths like a walrus. But uh, I was enjoying the food, man. And I mean, we had eaten a pretty significant amount before the food ever got there. And if you've ever been there, you know this, they have way too many options. It's like 500 pages of food to choose from. I'm thinking, man, you know, it's almost too much. It's like unscrewing a fire hydrant, you're sticking your face down there, you get your head blown off trying to drink from it. So that's what the menu felt like. I just thought, man, my goodness. And so I wanted, you know, I wanted something good. So I I chose the factory burrito. And I don't know if, uh, I mean, maybe maybe this would be a good facsimile of it here. I mean, it was uh, (laughs) when they brought it unto the Lord. I thought somebody had just maybe given birth because it looked like a baby in a blanket that they laid at my table. I mean, it was wrapped up in enormous burrito hanging over the side of the plate. And I thought, glory to God. You know, although I had already thus in the first part of the meal committed gluttony, I was prepared to uh, endure to the end. And so as I broke into that thing, man, I began to eat it, and it was a massive amount of food. I'm talking about thousands upon thousands of calories that were taken in, but they were all done in Jesus' name. Uh, It was prayed over, and the Bible says anything, you know you know the verse. And so so we prayed that God would bless it. And so I began to receive, and asking for forgiveness for gluttony as we went. But uh, I had finished that factory burrito, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was um, I was pressed I was pressed out of measure. I mean, I, I was so full that I couldn't hardly stand it. But then I thought nobody in their right God given mind comes to the cheesecake factory and leaves without eating cheesecake, you know. And so I like I'll just have a small piece. Well, they don't do small pieces there. They just do large and in charge, you know. And so they cut me off about. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, about half a pan of cheesecake, and because that's what you pay for. And you, they put it on this plate and bring it out. It is enormous that comes out there. It's reese <laughs> It's amazing. I can still taste it. If I salivate running down the side of my jaws, please forgive me. But I remember, I remember sitting at the table, and then I just dug into it. I mean, I was struggling to get through it, and Randy just watching. She had already boxed her food up some time ago and just was watching this happen. But I was loving it, man. I just kept eating, and I just I almost felt sick, but I thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead, Jesse, and I'm going to finish every bite. Scraped it off there, and I mean, when I got done, I'm telling you, in my life, I can recall, it's as full as I've ever been. And I remember getting up from the table feeling so sick. You know, in the moment, it seemed like the right thing to do, but post-meal, it was probably the dumbest thing that I've ever done. I mean, if gluttony is a sin, I went above and beyond. You know, all you could ask or think as far as the, the food goes, I was so sick. I was walking outside, and uh, I told my wife, I said, "You're gonna have to drive," and uh, and and I drive everywhere. You know, number one because I'm a I'm a I'm a side seat driver that drives her crazy, and so. Uh, but I said, "You're gonna you're gonna have to drive. I can't hardly breathe." And so I got in the car, and I kind of laid back, and she's like, really? And I'm like, oh, you gotta, you got you to gotta drive. And as I sat in the car, you thought I was in a Lamaze class. I was, <laughs> you know. I was sitting there, I had a baby burrito <laughs> laying on me, man. <laughs> with A pound of cheesecake. I was suffering. <laughs> suffering. I mean, halfway home, man, I mean, I just, uh, I was in bad shape. But you know, if somebody at that moment had come to the car and said, you know, you did so well, we want to offer you something else, I don't care how good the cheesecake would have looked, I'd have said, I can't do it. I could not have received. I was full to the brim. Now, as I thought about that, I thought, that's unbelievable, you know, that people can do and by the way, folks have died eating themselves to death. I read today of a young lady in 2011, a teenager that died from eating an excessive amount of chewing gum. They said she consumed 14 sticks of gum a day and just chewed it and swallowed it to the place where her body uh, was failing to absorb the vital minerals and it eventually led to her death. I mean, unbelievable. 14 sticks. I'm like, where's your mother? You know, what are you doing? Just eating gum, you know, over and over again. Another lady that they said 23 years old in 1981 binged on 19 pounds of food and died as a result of it. If I let you read this list, it was, I mean, a pound of liver, two pounds of kidneys, a half pound of steak, a pound of cheese, two eggs, two glasses of milk, and uh, a cauliflower, 10 peaches, four pears, two apples, four bananas, two pounds of plums, carrots, grapes. I mean, I don't know what in the world. I don't know, uh, know if they knocked her out and just force fed her like a horse but 19 pounds, and she succumbed to that and died. Now, it's just it's crazy and a wild, radical illustrations, but here's what I'm telling you. There's a lot of churches and a lot of Christians today that have stopped experiencing the sweetness of God's presence in their lives, listen, in their churches and in their families because they're so full that they just cannot receive it. That they just cannot receive it. A full soul loatheth a honeycomb. Can I say this to you? God wants you to be filled with the right contents. Can you say amen to that? And by the way, I didn't didn't Google this sermon today. Uh, It was just birthed in my heart at about 6 o'clock this morning. I begin to think, Lord, what is it you want to say to me out of this passage? And as I begin to think, I thought of these two things that he wants us to be filled with. And, you know, the first one, the Bible, makes it very clear uh, Paul's writing says, and be not drunk with wine where is there is excess, but be, what's the word, church? Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. So I've got some illustrations tonight. These are 88-cent jugs of water, of which I dropped in the parking lot, and they bust easy. So the sermon could really get exciting if uh, it burst upon you. But uh, tonight, uh, for the sake of illustration, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. I'll say it right there. Now, let me give you another verse of Scripture. In John 15, verse 11, the Bible says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Well, let's grab another jug here. So God says this. The Lord said, I want you to be filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. By the way, in Acts chapter 13, verse 52, the Bible says, Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. You know what I believe God does sometimes in a revival like this? I believe the Holy Spirit of God just walks up and down the aisles and He's looking down the pews. And you know what He sees? He sees people that need a solid drink of the Holy Ghost. I mean, just a fresh outpouring of of His Spirit in their life. I also believe that He walks and He looks at faces and He recognizes the absence of joy in their life. And He says, man, I tell you what, boy, that that face and that heart, they need it. And by the way, anybody can put on a good fake for church, but God knows your heart. And tonight, I really believe the Spirit of God walks around and He's looking and He's looking and think, boy, they sure could use a drink of joy in their life again. I'm going to be honest with you. I think one of the things that's happening in the 2021 church is there is a drought of joy in Christianity. People just attend church and they sit on the pew and they have a blank stare on their faces like, you know, help me if you can, move me if you will, and they've not experienced the joy of the Lord in their life in some time. But you know what? It's hard for God to dispense that because when He goes to take the lid off, and pour it into their life, he notices this, oh, they're already full. There's no room to pour. Now, by the way, I, here's what I believe. You get all the Holy Ghost you get when you get saved. But I believe this. I believe you can restrict the fullness of the Spirit of God in your life. Yeah, you have His presence, but listen, to have it fill every part of you is a different story. And tonight, I truly believe in my heart in this revival that God is walking around and he's looking to put something in your life that will help you. And if you, I don't know if you know it or not, but some of you need joy. Man, I look into the faces of some Christians and sometimes you can just tell when the lights have went out. They're listen, they're still saved, but the joy, somebody pulled the plug on their joy and it's drained out without them ever knowing it. Is that you tonight? Hey, when's the last time you experienced the sweetness of God's presence in your life, I wonder, joy and the Holy Ghost? Well, let's think about the, the passage tonight in Proverbs 27, verse 7. The Bible says the full soul loatheth a honeycomb. What does that mean, preacher? Well, it means this. It means to resist it or to oppose it. You know, some loathe revival and some loathe the Word of God. Some low prayer today. Uh, my schedule was uh, a little bit different this morning. I, I, I typically, I'm, I'm a person, I like to give my mornings to God. But today, uh, the Lord wanted my attention. And He said, you know what, you just forget your routine. I want to talk to you this morning. And when God wants to talk to you, you listen. And so this afternoon, I just walking around my room as Michael was uh, still with Brother Paul. And I just started walking around the room and thanking the Lord for the good things He's done in my life. Thanking God for that thousand dollars that He's in that I hadn't forgot about. A major answer to prayer that I told you about last night. And it's not for personal benefit, but it was a need that needed to be met. Our young people in Virginia last night, over 20 people saved in that service in Virginia. That my kids got to be a part of my daughter in that service. I mean, God supernaturally working. I just walked around just enjoying the presence of God. I mean, it was just sweet, man, walking in my hotel room and, you know, didn't really have any kind of agenda, just talking to God like He was my friend, like He was my father, because He is both, and just enjoyed it. But you know, some people, they loathe that because they're too full. They're already so full of everything else that they just don't have time for the sweetness of His presence. And I wonder tonight, what is it that your life is filled with? And tonight... For just a few minutes, I want to preach on the salt of life that's full. A life that's full. A full soul loatheth a honeycomb. Well, the question's this. What is it that you're so filled with that's preventing the Spirit of God from pouring these things into your life? I want you to get a good look at these labels tonight. because Here's what I'm going to tell you. There's a good chance some of you, before you leave here, you need a drink of joy in your life. And I don't mean like it's got to be emotionally drummed up we're running the aisles, we're swinging on the chandeliers. I mean, sometimes let the Spirit of God speak to you fresh and anew and show you the absence of what needs... Listen, show you the absence of what is in your life and what you need tonight. Do you have joy like you used to have? Man, I've seen some Christians, and they'd weep and they'd rejoice, but now, you know, it's just not my person. It has nothing to do with your personality. It has to do with what is in your life tonight. uh, Take your Bible and look in Proverbs 14. I want you to see the Scriptures. Proverbs 14, we'll look at three places. Proverbs 14, this this will not be an expositional message tonight, um, but I do believe it'll be a message from God, and so I think that'll be okay. Uh, Proverbs 14, look at verse number uh, 14. Proverbs 14, verse 14, I want you to see it. I want to give you a few thoughts to consider here, then we'll conclude. Proverbs 14, verse 14 Solomon said, the backslider in heart shall be, what's the word, church? Filled with his own ways. With his own ways. In other words, Solomon's saying this, a man that is backslidden in heart is one that is full of himself. Tonight, number one, let me ask you a question. Are you full of self tonight? Number one, are you full of self? Solomon said, a backslider in heart is one that is filled with his own Ways. I'm going to tell you, we're living in a selfish society. Hey, husbands and wives, I mean, honestly, in the last couple years, and uh, you know, j- just being in the position that I'm in, not the senior pastor, but have been a pastor in our church under Brother Tony, for almost 19 years now. Uh, You know, I've counseled a lot of couples, and it seems like that number's begin to multiply in these days. And as you sit down and have a conversation, you find out that there's so much selfishness that fills the heart of spouses today. It's either one spouse saying, well, I'm just not happy, and I don't understand why I can't have it my way. And the other one is just, and it just seems to be an insidious infection of self. What happened to, you know, uh, Christ and the church in that example? I mean, I'm pretty sure He loved us and He gave Himself for us. And it's supposed to be reciprocation back to God. That's the example in marriage. Read 1 Corinthians 7 sometime and how He may please His wife and how she may please her husband. You know what marriage is? It's living for each other, not living for yourself. But see, we've just hung that up these days and we've just decided this. So I'm going to tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm going to walk around, and I'm going to have mine, and I'm going to make sure that I'm full with what I want, and that'll be that. And you know what? That's why marriages are falling apart. It's because you're too full of yourself. Now, you say you're so arrogant. Oh, no, friend. I've looked in the mirror many times and had to repent of my selfishness as a husband, and I will not even begin to tell you. It's a, it'd be all another message, and my wife would need to be here for it, uh, of me confessing my sins to you as a spouse and how I failed to just be so selfish in my actions, in my attitudes. I ain't preaching about marriage tonight, but I'm trying to help somebody. I don't care what, what age, what range you're in. We're getting close to the 20 years, but I don't care if you're 40 or 50 or one. Selfishness will destroy a home. you got to be careful. Somebody said this, if I want it, it's mine. If I give it to you and change my mind later, it's mine. If I take it away from you, it's mine. If I had, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it'll never belong to anybody else. If we're building something together, all the pieces are mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. You know what? That's the way people are. They're selfish. We're living in a society consumed by self. Tonight, if you looked in the mirror honestly, is this what you'd see? Are you full of yourself? You see. The truth is this, we're so blind to our own faults. I mean, everybody in the world can see it, but some you just can't see it. You know, it, it's that blind spot of just, I, I just don't, I, I remember we, we, was the, uh, we were sitting in the, we were sitting in the the rest area in Virginia a couple years ago. I was preaching in West Virginia, heading there. Brother Tony, my pastor was with me and my daughter was with me. We just pulled in and you know, sometimes you just can't see. and What you can't see sometimes will hurt you. And I remember Brother Tony opened the door, I was driving my, mother, uh, my mother-in-law's, or actually my, my stepmother's brand new Acura SUV, super nice car, way above my pay grade. But I said, hey, you know what, we'll take that to the meeting, that'll be good. And oh, Brother Tony opened the door without looking and a Honda pulled in and, I mean, knocked the mirror straight off there and just about impelled him into the side of the vehicle and killed him. I mean, it was unbelievable. He screamed, as, I mean, if you know Brother Tony, uh, he was, he got emotional <laughs> And uh, I thought, oh, the car, you know? And then I thought, oh, the preacher, you know? So I thought of it in that order because I borrowed the car. <laughs> I have to confess that sin to you. You know, the car! Preacher, you okay? The car! You know, <laughs> I'm just sitting there watching. Thank God it didn't even hurt it. But it, it messed that guy's thing up. And I believe he had some issues going on there. So we said, hey, buddy, good luck, you know? Uh, you're lucky we don't call the cops. But it was that blind... is what we couldn't see. And sometimes in life, you're so blinded to yourself. And people yeah. walk up and say... Well, I tell you, you need to work on it. You're like, oh, you know, you, you thought the defense mechanism. Oh, no, that ain't me. You know, well, you, you, you uh, and they're trying to dress you and they say, oh, that, that ain't me. And you just deceived yourself is what you've done. Because if you take an honest look at who God is, and like Isaiah did, you'll see yourself for who you really are. Well, people in these days are defined by they're self-governed. What does that mean? Well, they regulate and dictate the decisions of their life, and they want to do it however they want to do it. You know, here's a phrase being used today that I absolutely despise, and it's this you do you. You do you. You know, kids say that all the time. Well, you do you. I'm, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. You know, I just stop sometimes. Look, repeat after me. That's the dumbest thing, that's the dumbest thing I've ever said, I've ever said. And it's just that's terrible advice. You do you. No, I mean, in this, you know, generation we're living in, that uh, just sounds good. You do, you know, you do life the way you want to do it. I'll do life the way I'm going to do it. We're all good. That's not very biblical. I'm pretty sure in judges they tried that, and every man did that which was right in their own eyes, and it did not work out well at all. If you have you-do-you tattooed, you know, or on your car, I'm just sorry. It's just bad advice, okay? I hate to tell you that, but um, selfishness. There is a way that seems right to a man, but at the end they are the ways of death. Some people are self governing. Let me say this. Some people are defined not by self governing, some people are defined by self glory. And they constantly seek out the attention of others that it might benefit them. Look at me, culture. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, you ain't gonna like this, but let me ask you anyway. How much of what you do for God is motivated by self glory? How much of what you get to do for God in any capacity, you hope somewhere it's going to come around and pat you on the back and say, That was a great singing. It really was. You're amazing. Or, you know, That was great preaching. You know, as preachers sometimes we're that way. Well, how do you think it was, honey? You know? I mean, what do you want to say? I feel like it was a four out of a ten. You know, I, th- I thought you could have done better. Now, you know what you're looking for? You're fishing for. You're you're amazing. I mean, out of all the messages I've ever heard, that was probably one of the best. I'm like, thanks. (laughs) I was hoping you'd say that. You know what that is? I did something motivated by self-glory. I just wanted a pat on the back. You know what that is? There's a good chance I'm full of this to the brim. Self-governing, self-glory. How about this? Self-gratification. What is that, preacher? Well, here's how it's defined. Gratifying one's own impulses, needs, and desires. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. I've got about eight or nine quotes on my desk at home, and I, I put them there because they're impactful quotes in my life at different times and periods, and so I don't put every quote that, that I've heard that's good, but I put the ones that have meant, have meant something to me. And one uh, one of the first ones I ever put up said this by Dr. Bob Jones Sr. It's a great quote. and He said this. He said, don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. He said, don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. We live in a day of this, instant gratification. I want it now. I am an impatient person. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, my son has witnessed that while riding with me. But, you know, the truth is we live in a society and we're so impulsive that, hey, I want this and I want it right now. You know who that destroyed in the Bible was Esau. Esau. Esau was very impulsive. Esau was very self-gratifying. he came come through the door and he's like, I'm at the point to death. He's a liar. He's not about to die. But you know what he wants? He smells food and he's hungry. And his brother says, well, give me your birthright and you can have it. And Esau said this, what profit is this birthright to me? It's interesting in this. Because he could not see the immediate profit of something that was going to benefit him down the road, he exchanged it for something else. You know what our problem is? Sometimes we don't see the immediate profit in living for God, so we're like, eh, I'll just I'll, fill me up. Fill her up. Fill her up! <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes we may empty ourselves out a little bit and think, I want goods it doing. Fill it back up. You better be careful. You better be careful because I'm going to tell you this. Amnon had a friend, Jonadab, and Amnon was in love with his sister. And I've always thought this is interesting. Amnon eventually took advantage of his sister and he got everything he thought he wanted. And the Bible says this, the hatred that he had for her was greater than the love that he had for her. You know what he found out? It's not all it's cracked up to be. Just because it looks right and feels right and seems right, you know what, can I just say this to you? Just because you've been married for a long time and you have a woman that walks by you, but wherever the case is, in the gym, the department store, in the office... And she smiles at you and she smells good. And the devil goes saying, well, wouldn't it be nice? You don't let the devil lie to you because you know what you'll find out? you find out, man, it's empty. Same thing. Hey, uh, for for the other spouse, you think, well, it's just so. No, we're living in a day that is filled with self. And I will say this to you, that if you're full of self, you'll loathe what God wants to pour into your life. Take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 1 tonight. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, I want you to see something else. Verse number 29, Romans 1. In verse number 29, and the Bible says this. Romans 1, I'll give you a second to get there. In verse number 29, and let's look at it. Read the first two words with me. Romans 1, 29, ready? Here we go. Begin. Being. All right, here we go. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full, there's the word again, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. We'll just stop there. Can I say to you tonight, there are some people, some people that are, not only are they full of self, but can I just be forward with you tonight? They're full of sin. Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman said, he told of a distinguished gentleman by the name of Dr. Howard from Australia. He said he preached very strongly on the subject of sin. After the service, one of the church officers come uh, to to the preacher and he said, Pastor, he said, "Um, I want to just counter you a little bit. He said, we don't want you talking as openly about man's guilt and man's corruption. He said, because of our boys and girls, here you put it, the way that you put it tonight, then they're more prone and more susceptible to be sinners and get involved in those things. Well, he said, just call it a mistake if you want to, but don't speak so plainly about sin. The minister took down a little bottle from the shelf and showed it to the visitor. He said, you see the label? He said, the label says strychnine on it. And he said, underneath it in bold red letters, it says the word, POISON. He said, do you see that, sir? He said, do you know what you're asking me to do? He said, your suggestion that I change the label. He said, suppose that I put on there the essence of peppermint. He said, don't you see what happens? He said, the milder you make the label, the more dangerous you make the poison. And the reality of it is this. We just want to take sin and kind of just sort of cover it up a little bit and act like, well, it ain't that big of a deal. You know, we're just going to kind of just sort of dress it up and it don't look that bad when you do that. But the reality of it is there's a lot of people walking into church and they're not just full of self, they're full of sin in their life. Now, I don't mean like they're open cesspools of sin, but you know, there's more sins than just the big ones that you think of in the Bible sometimes. And often we walk around and make light of the things that God hates. You say, well, preacher, I I just don't know if I... Well, let's just look back through the list. Keep your Bibles handy there. Notice what Paul said. He said, being filled with all unrighteousness. I believe that's self-explanatory. Fornication. I believe that's self-explanatory. Wickedness. How about this covetousness? You know what that is? That's always wanting someone else, somewhere else, something else. That's covetousness always wanting someone else, somewhere else, something else. You just cannot be content. Which, by the way, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. But we just walk around all the time thinking, I don't have that, and they got a nicer car than me, and they're just... And you know what that is? That's a sin. It's a sin. And God's looking to pour something else in your life, but you've sealed the lid of your heart with corruption, covetousness. Well, let's keep looking. Maliciousness. Full of hostility is the indication there. How about this? Full of envy. That's grief, experience, of the supposed prosperity and happiness of another. You just can't stand when God's good to somebody else and answers their prayer. I can't stand her. She always. And you look at it and you think, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you do that for me? And it's envy. Hey, look, it will destroy you. Be careful about that. Why don't pastor ever ask me to pray? Why don't pastor ever ask me to lead, you know, in a song? Why don't ever? And, well, you get envious in your heart. And by the way, that's what Joseph's brothers were, and they tried to kill him as a result of it. Murder, debate, in constant argument. You know, there's some people that will jump behind a stream of anonymity and go to work. I mean listen they have no inhibitions behind the screen and they'll absolutely just I mean man, they will uh, unleash their tongue and go to work online uh, through th- listen uh, through the manifestation of their thumbs I mean and they just will say unbelievable things in debate they'll find they'll find a comment online that they didn't agree with and then they'll just blow that person up and then 47 replies later they're just carrying it on you know what that is it's sin Deceit, intentionally misleading others, living a lie. Can I tell you this? I've done this long enough to know something. Not everybody's what they say they are. I know you're sitting here tonight. You look good. You smell good. You've got a Bible. But just because that is who you look like tonight don't mean that's who you are. I don't have the Bible with me, so I don't know the exact reference, but I believe it's Matthew twenty-three twenty-seven. And Jesus said this, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees there, and He said, you appear, He said to be, and I'm just going to paraphrase it, He said, you appear to be righteous, but within, you are full of dead men's bones. You know, there's a difference in what you appear to be and what you really are. And tonight, He said, what are you doing? I'm just trying to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because revival sometimes is getting, listen, is getting in your jug, so God can empty you out, so He can put something right back in its place. Let me ask you: Are you who you perceive to be? I mean, tonight, are are you the are you the person that you portray yourself to be? Uh, Listen, I've known preachers. I've known uh, people in my life that are close to me that eventually, you know, something comes out and I think, man, I I never knew that. And by the way, we can all be deceived. I mean, Peter, James, and John had no idea that Judas was a devil. But tonight, deception. Hey, the Bible says malignity, whispers. You know, the Bible says a whisper separated chief friends. And you know, the good thing is this. I don't know anything about this church, but I I think this is a great place. Y'all have been so kind to me, and you've smiled at me, and that helps a that helps visiting evangelist, it really does. And so, you know what, all I know is, I know you preacher, and I love Brother Paul, and he asked me to come, and he put me on the flyer, so I had to. And uh, so, uh, the, the truth is, I don't know anything about, you know, uh, what's going on here, so I can speak freely, and you think, I know, the, I know the preacher told him, he didn't tell me nothing. You know, there's this person called the Holy Spirit of God that knows more than anybody. And sometimes in church you get these whispers going and it's just faint whispers going across the auditorium and it destroys a church. A whisper separated chief friends. Aren't you glad I come? Backbiters. Publicly defaming the character of another in person or online. You just tear each other down. Boy, we've been dealing with this back home. Backbiters. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. Despiteful. Proud. You know, the Bible says only by pride comes contention. When I rip my kid's head off at home because he's getting on my nerves, you know what it is, it's pride. When I get upset at somebody else at church because they frustrate me, you know what my problem is? It's the pride of my heart. Only by pride comes contention. And there's those things in my life, and I don't want to belabor the point, but I want to help some of you tonight and realize this. Sometimes you think, well, that ain't me. That ain't my job. uh uh No way, man. But it might be. Why don't you ask? Listen, why don't you ask somebody that's not so subjective like the Holy Spirit of God who has an objective opinion of you and will tell you the truth if you ask Him but you might not like what He says. And I'm just saying, revival's not about a time, of, man. Uh, and by the way, I didn't plan on preaching what I did last night. God showed up to help us but God can also help us tonight through a message like this. Because some of you just loathe, man, what's going on. I can't wait to eat and I can't wait to get home and God wants to do something in your life but He can't until you empty yourself of this sin. Let me say this tonight, and I, I hasten to close. Uh, let me show you one more passage of Scripture. Hold your place, and Proverbs will come back to it. But Psalms 88. Psalms 88. The Bible says this. Psalms 88, verse 3. Get there. Psalms 88, and verse number 3. You know, some people, some people struggle tonight. In another area, verse 3 of Psalms 88, the Bible says, For my soul... Is full of trouble. My soul's full of troubles. You know, I classified this one as somebody that's full of self, sin, and somebody just full of struggles. Struggles in their life. By the way, that could be any of us. It could be any of us uh, holding that jug in our life. But can I just say something to you? More than ever before, at least in my lifetime, people are struggling with fear and doubt, and anxiety like never before. And let me just say something about that. That Those things are all real. I, I don't downplay that like they're just suck it up. No, I know people. Listen, I know good friends that have killed themselves because they just got so low that they couldn't take it anymore. I mean, people get there. And it's sadness. And you've seen that and you've experienced that. But here's what I want to tell you. I use a couple of different Bible apps. One of them is the Version Bible app. And here's what the Version Bible app said and It's just in it, its analytics from 2020. It had over 600 million searches in 2020 and the most searched verse in all of the Bible for their app, 600 million searches, was Isaiah 41.10. You know what it says? It says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I'll strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You say, why would people look that up so much? Because they're gripped by fear. Because they're walking around with a jug that's just filled with struggles. And you know what God does? God gets this and goes, man, they sure do need some. And He just looks over and thought, man, if they just give me a chance, I'd like to pour it in their life again. I'd like to restore the joy of their salvation but you've just gripped. Listen, you've got such a grip around your struggles that it's paralyzed. Listen, it's paralyzed your ability to put faith in God, and therefore you're living a life that no longer experiences victory as it once did. Struggles. Back in our text, I want you to look back in Proverbs 27. I ask you to hold your place there. Proverbs 27. Let's look at the last part of the verse tonight. and we will be done. The Bible says this in Proverbs 27, verse 7. It says, The full soul loatheth a honeycomb. Conjunction but to the hungry. Could I qualify this here? If I'm hungry, it means there's an absence. It means there's a lack. It means there's a want. So would it be fair to say there's an emptiness there? So to the hungry soul or to the empty soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You know, I've read uh, stories about people that have been in concentration camps, World War II. One of, the, one of the greatest books that I love about World War II was Louis Zamperini. I've read Unbroken multiple times. Great book. He gets stuck out in the ocean for 40-some days. They're catching birds on the side of the boat, and they're not even plucking feathers. They're just eating the sides of the guts out and enjoying every bite. You know why? Because they're starved to death. They're catching shark in the ocean by just, (laughs) I mean, men by makeshift hooks, and they're grabbing those things up. And shark, listen, they're just tearing into it and feasting on the inside of that flesh. You know why? Because they're starving. They're so empty that every bitter thing they can put in their mouth is as is its sweetness to them to just fill that empty place. Can I say something to you tonight? In 2 2 Kings 4, you can just jot this reference down. 2 Kings 4, there's a widow woman there who's about to lose her son to the creditors. And she needs God to do a miracle for her. And so what happens is Elijah steps in and Elijah gives her a very specific set of instructions. Elijah says this to her in 2 Kings 4 and verse number 3. Then said he, go and borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. Catch this 3 phrase here, this three-word phrase. He said, go and borrow vessels of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. His specific command to us is, get all the vessels you can, but listen to this one qualifying statement. Don't miss this. Make sure you get empty vessels and borrow not a few. He said, get all that you can, but make sure when you get them, They're empty vessels. And here's what you need to realize tonight. Some of you are in a place where God can do a tremendous work in your life. He can help you tonight. He really can. You're in church on Saturday night, and God, listen, God really, hey, really wants to fill you with His presence. I read Psalm 16. It was just in my Bible reading this morning. And then just rejoice in the concluding verse, because it says this. It says, "...in Thy presence." Is fullness of joy. And what, hey, I love you, but I'm also heartbroken tonight when I see some Christians that are no longer experiencing the sweet presence of God anymore. I mean, when's the last time you just walked around and talked to God like He was your Father and you just felt His presence? And that's what it was in the hotel today. I said, God, just thank you for being who you are. I just talked to him like he was my friend. And you know what it was? The Lord began to uncork that little bit. And in, the, in, in country and in sweets, God began to pour out some of the Holy Ghost and just said, yeah, yeah, let me give you some more of that right there. And it helped me and it strengthened me. By the way, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And tonight for some of you, that's what God wants to do. Hey, God wants to take joy and He wants to pour it into your life again. Because I'm going to help some of you. You may not know it or not, but you don't have as much as you used to. There's some sitting here tonight, and you're trying, but your heart is absent of the joy of the Lord. What revival we could have if there'd be Christians that could get their joy back again. Because if Christians could get their joy back again, and they get their strength back, if they get their strength back, then God could do something through them in order to reach a people and make a difference. But tonight, before that ever happens, you know what? Some of you tonight, I'm just going to be honest with you, some of you need to take the seal off your life of self. And I put it at the altar because that's a good place to get empty. And just take what you have inside of you and just pour it out. And by the way, not just that and put the lid back on because that's what happens sometimes. Well, Lord, I I give you some, so that's good. I'll see you next year. No, 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 no. God wants all of you. See, sometimes we do that. We're about half and half there, and we think, well, Lord, that that, that should do it. And God wants all. Hey, let me say something to you. This much is enough to destroy your marriage. This much is enough to destroy your life as a teenager. God wants all of it. Help me, man. Get up here. Grab the one for sin. You look like you're full of it, son. Uh, you want that one? There you go. If you spill it in the floor, I'm going to let Paul kill you, okay? Pour it in there. Pour all of it. There you go. Just pour it out. There you go. You know, tonight, this is just symbolic. It's, you say it's a silly illustration. Yeah, it might be, but you know what? I'm going to tell you this. I've seen a lot of people come to an altar. Hey, come to an altar full of sin, full of self. Hey, full. you have a seat, thank you. Full of so much struggle. And you know what? I've seen them just give every last ounce of it to God. I'm going to tell you what's amazing. When you do that, when you give all of those things in your life, and your heart to God, God begins to open up the reservoirs of what you really need. And I've watched God take a Christian that's just, I mean, man, they're beat down and they're broken. And they're so full of themselves, and God began to pour joy back in their life. Let me ask you tonight, is that what you need? Hey, we're almost finished, but can I ask you not to look to your left, not to look to your right, not to think about somebody that's not here tonight, but would you think about your own heart? Would somebody say when they described you that, old oh, brother so-and-so, man, they've got the joy of the Lord? You know, my life verses, Psalms 100 verse 2, has been for a long time. And that verse just says, serve the Lord with gladness. But I'm afraid sometimes I don't live out that verse like I should. Ezra, you go to the piano, buddy, if you don't care. And tonight, I really believe with all my heart. Sometimes I come to revival and I just say, Lord, I got a couple messages and I'm just going I'm, I'm to shoot in the dark and hope. But I believe God, the Holy Ghost, at 6, at six o'clock this morning said, hey, wake up, I need to talk to you. And I believe he wanted to say something to me and through me because he needed you to hear it tonight. Now hey, where are you? Who are you tonight that would look at one of these particular jugs and say, well preacher, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not full, but it's got more there than it should have. And the truth is, I've just put the lid on it and been content with what I've got. And tonight God wants you to God wants you to throw the lid away and pour yourself out. So He can do something real in you again. Isn't that what revival's about? I mean, isn't that, isn't that what it's about of just getting rid of those things in your life so God can walk through and walk down the aisles and begin to pour Himself and His joy into you again. And for some of you, it's been so long in your marriage and in your life since you've had God do that, that you just become content to be miserable. And honest to God tonight, some of you need to get humble before God and find a place on this altar and say, God, I'm sorry that I'm so full of things that are preventing you from filling my life with joy and the Holy Ghost. And tonight, I wonder who you are, where you are, and what you need. Because I honestly believe before God tonight, there's some of you that need a renewal of joy. A fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost in your life. But I promise you this. By the way, you don't have to come to the altar to get it. But until you take the lid off your life and give God what you have, it will be nearly impossible for Him to give you what He wants, unless you're willing to do your part tonight. Father in heaven, I pray You'll bless the invitation. I pray, Lord, that You'd speak to the heart of some Christian tonight. Lord, and they have sat through meeting after meeting, service after service, and Lord, they have sealed themselves up, and they have just become content with who they are. God, tonight, I pray that You'd shake that individual and let them come. Let them take a step of humility towards You tonight, and pour out whatever it is that's preventing you from pouring in joy in your presence. May they be different as a result of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, help us tonight. Amen. Would you sing? You have something okay. Would you pray tonight? Heads bowed, eyes closed. People on this altar. I wonder, would you do business with God? And if you need the Lord tonight, I wouldn't care, listen, who's here, who's not here, how long the invitation goes, but what the length of it is tonight, I honestly believe God wants to help some of you, but your soul will loathe what God has unless you give Him what you got tonight. I plead with you tonight, would you come? Would you let the Lord help?
0: Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. and We hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.